Well, it is a great privilege. Uh, not often I get to push the microphone up. <laughs> it's a great privilege to be here this morning and bring God's word to you. Uh, it is coming here is like coming home. Uh, we only spent a couple of years here, but the Lord really blessed our time here and we really enjoyed it. And we're thankful for your pastor who's been a pastor to me, even at a distance over the years. So thank you for that. Well, I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles, your copy of God's word to Genesis chapter 47. In this passage of Scripture, we're kind of catching up with the life uh, up in the life of Joseph. And we take a little excerpt here uh, when it's dealing with the life of Jacob. So you remember, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He went off into Egypt and God in his providence and care of his people has brought them to the land of Egypt to receive uh, food and shelter in the time of famine in the land. And here we have the story of Jacob being presented to Pharaoh by his son, Joseph, having just presented his brothers. You know, oftentimes when we read God's word, we can we can skip over little stories like this. But Jesus tells us that the Psalms and the prophets here, the prophets, Moses, they speak of him. And so let's try to hear God and our Lord Jesus Christ in this passage. This isn't just a story. This is the very word of God. So give it your attention. We're going to read verses seven through twelve. I know it says ten in the bulletin. Then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my sojourning are one hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence of Pharaoh. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father his brothers, and all his father's household with food, according to the number of their dependents. Having read God's word, let's ask God to bless it. Father, we come before your word, humbled, recognizing that we need you to speak through your spirit so we can understand. So, Lord, as we bow before your word, Lord, we ask that you would speak in our hearts, convict us of sin, and conform us into the image of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there's a famine in the land. There's a famine in the land. You say, how could you be saying that, Jason? There's economic prosperity. We have more jobs than ever before, it seems like. Most of you know more about economics than I do, but it seems like the economy is booming. The United States exports more grain than any other nation in the world. And yet, despite the overabundance, pessimism is on the rise, especially amongst our young people. 
and despair fills our streets. There's a famine in our land. Depression and suicide rates are skyrocketing and there appears to be no hope. The media, politicians, the medical professionals, education system, they don't have any answers. Drown yourself in entertainment. Forget about your problems. Just medicate yourself. Dull the pain. There's no meaning to life at all, so don't even think about it. There's a spiritual famine in our land. And where are the people, where are people to turn? Who will stand and speak the truth? Well, I believe here in this account of the life of Jacob, we find a man who is old and, yes, presumably pretty worn out. And yet he stood up and spoke the truth. And you and I, like Jacob, are to stand up and speak the truth. Wherever the Lord may give you opportunity to stand, stand for hope. Stand for the hope of the gospel. You must be willing to stand up and testify of the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, I believe in this passage, we're to ask ourselves two questions as we move through this passage to really help us understand this, what's going on in this particular passage. Number one, the first question is, what is the purpose of your stand? What is the purpose of your stand? Look at verses 7 and 10. I don't think it's any accident that we're given here at the beginning of Jacob's interaction with Pharaoh. He says he blessed Pharaoh in verse 7. And then as he leaves in verse 10, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. See, as the people of God, you're to share the blessing of God with the nations. Remember who Jacob is. He's a shepherd. He's part of the nomadic people traveling here and there around the land until God had given or were looking forward to God giving the promised land. But here he's been pushed from the promised land. This is the land that God promised him, and yet he's pushed by famine Out of the land, into the land of Egypt, back to the land of Egypt. Here, a shepherd stands before a king. And what was the Egyptian? What were their view of shepherds? Well, look right at the top, excuse me, back in the the end of chapter 46, the last verse, it says, For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. What did they think about these men, these shepherds, their abomination? We are to be like this shepherd standing before a king. See, it's like, uh, you know, sometimes in cultures, they like to have the product here in Egyptians. They like to have their lambs to eat, but they don't want to see the shepherds put them off at a distance. And there he's standing before a ruler, one of the greatest empires the world has ever seen. And, And yet here, Jacob understands who he really is. And what he has to offer Pharaoh. It's so easy for us to think. What do I have to offer the world? What can I contribute to a a king? I'm too young. I'm too weak. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm too simple. But remember, you are members of the Lord's house. 
And how much better is it for us to stand in the corner of the Lord's, excuse me, outside the Lord's house than to be in the tents of the wicked? You must be ready to forfeit all the wealth, the luxuries of this earth, being reproached and rejected by people and stand up for the Lord. You may think to yourself, you know what, give me this opportunity. I'll stand before a pharaoh. I'll stand before a president, a congressman, a dictator. And yet, brothers and sisters, don't we find it difficult to stand up to our neighbor, our coworker, our fellow student, even our families? But what did Jacob have to offer Pharaoh? Remember what we said, he was to bless the nations. So you could be thinking that maybe uh, Jacob is blessing him like you good southern ladies. Bless your heart. Just a simple blessing like that. But it's much deeper than that. Remember back in Genesis 22, Abraham, following his uh, willingness to offer up Isaac on the altar, God says this, And your offspring shall possess the gates of your enemies, and your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. See, his offspring would be the one who would ultimately come to crush the head of the serpent was to be the blessing of all nations. This promise was given to Abram, Abraham, and it was extended to Jacob in a dream in Genesis chapter 28. This promise to bless the nations was given to Jacob. This is the covenant promise passed down to him that through his line, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The greater will be blessed by the lesser. Obviously, by all worldly standards, Jacob was lower than Pharaoh. He was inferior to Pharaoh. He's just a shepherd. How could he stand before this man Without, without understanding who he really was and what he had to offer. Just recently, I have a friend who uh, runs a ministry. It's called Outdoor Immersion. And he ministers to soldiers and sailors and uh, service members who are dealing with PTSD. They get out of the military and he gets them out in God's creation and he introduces them to Christ. He takes the opportunity to preach Christ. And there was a congressman that liked his ministry and came to him and said, hey, I want to hear more about what you have, presumably to offer money to help the ministry. And my friend said, hey, I don't really want your money, but let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what I have to offer you and these soldiers. That's what we have to be willing to do, to stand up before congressmen, our neighbors, and preach the gospel. See, Jacob was looking forward not to the blessing of a land, but ultimately looking forward to the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was promised back in the garden. That, brothers and sisters, is the blessing of Jacob on Pharaoh. You and I are to be blessing the nations. This is the great commission that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to us to bless the nations. You're to show honor to kings and princes for their position, as God says. Remember, Jeremiah advised the people of God to pray for the peace of Babylon so that it would be peaceful for them. 
Remember, Timothy was given instruction by Paul to pray for a peaceable life. So you and I are to be a blessing in the sense that we're supposed to be caring neighbors, good citizens, productive workers. Yes, but we're to be much more than that. We're to stand up and proclaim the blessing of God, to stand, stand tall and be committed to blessing those around you with, with the message of Jesus Christ. So that's what you're to do. That is what you're to stand for, to bless the nations. But really, what are we to say? What's the content of our stand? Question two, what's the content of our stand? Verses eight and nine. We're to testify to the hope, the gospel hope. See here in verse eight. Pharaoh begins with a question. How old are you? It's a simple question. Not unlike we would probably, right? You see a man here, Jacob, who's 130 years old. You might question, how old are you? Seems natural to admire age. And yet, and here in the, uh, the times of Egypt, Egypt, age, the age, life expectancy was very low. And so here this man stands up before them, 130 year old man. He says a direct question. How old are you? Yet, look at Jacob's answer. It's not quite a direct answer. Verse 9. The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. Remember, Jacob here is a pilgrim. A sojourner, a wanderer. And here he stands. I'm going from here to there. I went to Egypt. came back from Egypt. Went to the promised land. Now I'm back in Egypt. And he says, few are my days. And so on surface level, we see here he's a pilgrim, a wanderer. Few are our days. Well, you kind of might question his view of few are my days when he says 130 years. But he's trying to make a point that he didn't reach the age of his father and grandfather, his grandfather, who was 180 years old. And evil are my days. This word evil, you know, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I've learned a little bit of evil or a little bit of Hebrew. I know a lot of evil. But this word evil can more mean like difficult have been my days. I've experienced difficulty. My life has been confronted with affliction. Remember his life. Let's look at the life of Jacob. Remember, he was forced to flee because of his brother who was seeking to kill him. He labored in the house of Laban for 14 years for the wife that he desired. His daughter was abused at Shechem. His sons put to death the men of Shechem because of that sin. He buried his beloved wife, Rachel. Joseph, his beloved son, was sold into slavery. He presumed to be dead by wild animals. His days were difficult. And it could seem maybe here that Jacob is only a man of sorrows. Or maybe even he's complaining here. Is Jacob a woe is me kind of guy? I'm not in the promised land. I'm nearing death. I didn't reach the age of my fathers. My life has been difficult. I don't think so. We must look a little deeper. Look below the surface. 
keep your finger there in Genesis 47. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is really like this divine commentary on the Old Testament. It really gives us a lot of insight. Look at verse 13. All these, these all died in faith, speaking of the saints of old, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they have been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. No, I think Jacob here, brothers and sisters, is saying precisely the opposite. He's not a man weighed down by self-pity. Rather, he is declaring a hope. Confirming that hope, that hope that's outside of this life. He didn't grasp on to the covenant promise of the land, but upon God himself and the promise of the hope to come. Although Jacob related to Pharaoh the brevity of life, the difficulties of his days of his past, he testified, he was testifying, as Hebrews says, of a hope in the future, something that future hope that awaited him. Brothers and sisters, that is our, that's the message we're to declare. That there's a hope outside of this life. Let's draw a few applications from this text. First, before we're to declare this to others, we must have this confirmed in our own hearts. Brothers and sisters, we have to have it confirmed in our own hearts. We have to understand that we have something better awaiting us. Remember Hebrews 11, the verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Your hope must be rooted and confirmed in Jesus Christ, crucified, resurrected, and ascended. And He is now preparing a place for you in glory. That is your hope. We can't grasp on to the things of this life. Because as 1 Corinthians says, if we grasp on the things of this life, we're to be most pitied. So what God gives you, grasp onto it lightly. Because as Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is the gain. Second application. Find your place to stand. Find your place to stand. Here Jacob was given the opportunity to stand before a king. But brothers and sisters, you need to find your place to stand. Wherever the Lord might give you opportunity to stand. It's distinct from mine. Everyone has a different area where they can stand up for Christ. He's given you different interests and giftings. Different education, ethnicities. Jacob was given a distinct opportunity. So where might the Lord be giving you opportunity to stand? 
Maybe it's with your neighbors, your classmates who are struggling with depression. Maybe it's with that woman who sits at the restaurant alone that you can meet and talk to. Commit yourself to standing in a distinct place and bless the nations. Third application. Relate to others in a winsome way. Relate to others in a winsome way. Sometimes we can, well, you know, we've heard the cage stage of Reformed theology, where people get so committed to the truths of Scripture that they run through people. But the reality here is Jacob goes about it in a particular way. Remember how Paul and Peter preached? Peter, we call, says he leveraged the culture. As he saw what was going on around him, he's speaking to Jewish people and he used the Scriptures to preach about Christ. Remember uh, Paul in Ephesus, he takes this statue to the unknown God and uses that to preach about Jesus Christ. Why well, think here that Jacob is leveraging the human condition? He's leveraging the human condition. He says life is short. We all know that life is short. We all have difficult days. We all experience trials in our lives. Even the smallest of our children experience this, right? When they come running into your bed, scared in the dark, as they're confronted with the idea of death. We all have difficult circumstances. So brothers and sisters, leverage that to take it up your opportunity and preach about Jesus Christ. With prosperity all around us, all you have to do is dig a little bit, wipe away the dirt. And you'll see that there is a famine in our land. We're living in a spiritual wasteland. We might need to ask ourselves, why has God placed us here in this particular time, in this particular place? We are sojourners in this world. And we must be ready to stand up and bless the nations. We must be willing to speak the truths of the gospel hope to our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members, and testify of the good news of Jesus Christ in a winsome way that there is a hope in the life to come that can only be found in Him. Amen. Let's pray. Brother and sisters, join together, Lord, to hear You speak Lord, we thank you for your word and what it speaks to us. How that we don't wander in this world without a hope. Lord, we do look forward to that day of glory. But Father, you have placed us here and you've given us work in this world. Lord, give us the power by your Holy Spirit to be faithful to that tasking. Thank you for this congregation. Lord, in Christ we pray. Amen.